0: What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Tuesday, July the 3rd edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, slow season continues, but we are given yet another nugget, albeit a very small one, regarding the Dolphins draft night plans. We'll talk about that. We visit the most intriguing storylines for the 2018 Miami Dolphins and speculate on a potential Patriots downfall. But first, I kindly invite all of you guys that have not done so already to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We are on Stitcher. We are on Tuned In. Wherever you get your podcast from, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at lethal NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. I've been doing this for a long, long time, writing about this team, podcasting about this team, coming up on 200 episodes now. Your go-to local expert for all things Miami Dolphins Football and of course lockedondolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network and the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts. We have tons of stuff like the Locked On NBA podcast with David Locke, the owner of the network, giving you guys caught up on all of the free agent news going on around the sport of basketball. But we're going to get into things right here regarding the Miami Dolphins and first down in the Locked On Dolphins podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Barry Jackson's one of the beat writers that I tend to follow a little bit closer than the others. Him and Joe Shad are my two favorites. And he had a note in his column today talking about the Dolphins' plans on draft night. We've heard about Stephen Ross and his desire to trade down and accumulate more picks despite the fact that the Dolphins got the guy they ultimately wanted, which we've heard about over and over again. You go back to the Pete Thamel Yahoo story, the Dolphins scouts, following those guys around, how they were just obsessed with the way Minka Fitzpatrick approached the game, his professionalism, and how mature of a young man he was. He was clearly option number one for the Dolphins, and they thanked their lucky stars when he felt them at the 11th pick, the best safety in the class. But Barry Jackson says that if Minka Fitzpatrick was not available at that pick, which most mock drafts said that he would not be, there was two more options down the chain of command. Both were available options in regards to the 11th pick when they took Minka Fitzpatrick. The first one was Virginia Tech linebacker and now Buffalo Bills linebacker. Tremaine Edmonds, the 19-year-old phenom that is a workout warrior and has a ways to go but looks the part of a big-time playmaker – and then the other option does go in lockstep with what Steven Ross was talking about and the option to explore trade down possibilities. And just given the idea of that report from a month ago or so, whenever that was, I tend to think that the option number two was to trade out to appease the owner. And you know maybe the scouting staff was able to step in and say, no, we're taking Minka. Maybe they would have done the same thing with Tremaine Edmonds, but who knows? But that's what Barry Jackson is telling us today, that the Dolphins had an interest in Tremaine Edmonds and also a trade down. And it just points to the idea that I regret almost daily, I suppose, on the podcast that the quarterback was not something they were going to go after, and they weren't all that interested in addressing it this offseason. This only continues to double down on that idea and that narrative, and I just... I feel vindicated in that sense. But speaking of narratives, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the storylines for this team in 2018. And I wanted to talk about the two obvious ones first, get them off the table and get into the more, I guess, lesser known storylines going into the 2018 season. But the first one is, of course, talking about the quarterback and how the Dolphins did invest in a quarterback in their own quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. You guys know the bullet points by now. Two ACL injuries. Injures it back on December 11th, 2016. Has a... Partial tear of the left ACL in his left knee, Calais, Campbell's, Calais Campbell of the Arizona Cardinals falls on that knee in a pass rush situation and Ryan Tannehill bounces back with stem cell and tries to do the rehab route without doing the surgically repaired route that most players will do. He winds up making it a couple days in the training camp into August and the same fate occurs as he scrambles out on a non-contact play and the knee snaps on him. Finally gets it restructured and repaired the right way and the way they did the contract after all this has happened, after they've seen him work out, after they have had a chance to kind of reevaluate the knee, they restructure his contract to basically assure his standing on the roster through the 2019 season. Otherwise they'll face about a $14 million cap hit if they want to go in another direction. Of course he could be traded, but how often that happens is, is rare. So we'll see if that ever were ever to become the case. And it would have to have a lot of certain circumstances leading up to that for that to happen. And, The narrative and the storyline that we want to chase here is, was 2016, the end of 2016, was that a sign of things to come? Was the emergence with Ryan Tannehill through Adam Gaze, was that something that we can expect more of, given the fact that throughout the course of his career, we all talked about Mike Sherman. We saw the great video of him coaching the Montreal Alouettes, not being able to get his headset off of himself, and it took him about five minutes to execute that very simple plan, you would think, he couldn't do it. And he, after coaching the Miami Dolphins, he went to coach a high school football team, winds up in Canada, didn't have success at either of those two spots. They're actually talking about him losing his job in Canada. He had the go, the famous go, go cadence. He wouldn't allow Ryan Tannehill to leave the pocket. We had Zach Taylor, who was his son in law. Hard, not even close to being qualified to coach a quarterback's room in the NFL. Joe Philbin, we all saw what happened with him, goes to Indianapolis to coach what was supposed to be his specialist position group. And the offensive line in Indianapolis might have been the only offensive line that was worse than than the Dolphins throughout the course of the last couple of years, them and probably the Seahawks as well. You have Bill Lazor, who actually is a competent offensive coordinator and play caller. But the idea is that Adam Gase finally was able to get things out of Ryan Tannehill that these previous coaches could not do. So the season hinges on how well Ryan Tannehill performs. So he very easily captures the number one storyline. But storyline number two is right up there as well. And for me, it's Adam Gaze and kind of how he has adopted this Chip Kelly-like overhaul of the roster. And that's not going to be a comparison you guys want to hear as Dolphins fans. But he did strip the roster down to find guys that can better execute the scheme and the plan that he wants to employ and get running more of the offense that he brought to Miami rather than trying to adapt his scheme to the things that fits the players which is a sign of a good coach. A sign of a good coach is always that you will adapt yourself to the scheme or to the players you have, but you can't be most efficient if you aren't running the things that made you the hot shot offensive coordinator slash head coach candidate that he was back in 2016. So now he has the pieces in place he feels to run that. The performances of Danny Amendola, Albert Wilson, I think Jakeem Grant falls into that mold as well, Mike Isecki, Kalen Balaj, Frank Gore. All of these guys are going to be things that hold – Adam Gaze's feet to the fire in regards to how he's viewed upon this time next year when the 2018 season is complete. And hopefully we're back on the 2016 train and thinking that Adam Gaze is the next hot shot coach in this league. All right, guys, we have more storylines to get to featuring the storylines that are less discussed amongst Dolphins Nation. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkle NFL at Locked On Fins.
2: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent, that is, until I found
0: Discussing Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gaze is a not daily practice, but at least every other day or possibly even weekly practice here on the podcast. But I wanted to talk about a couple of storylines that don't get brought up a whole lot when it comes to the Dolphins. And I have three for you guys here. And the first one is the idea of the Dolphins defense, which hasn't been very good for a long time. And when it was good, I, I think it was Maybe a little bit more front seven centric in terms of like 2008 up through the most recent years of success they've had. There's been a better pass rush in place than there was secondary play. The Dolphins have struggled to really replace guys like Patrick Sertan, Sam Madison, and Brock Marion for a long, long time. The secondary has been an issue ever since the NFL became a very, very heavy player passing type of league. So the idea that this defense could be shifting from a unit that is stronger up front than it is in the back, that could be a possibility. And Matt Burke's ability to incorporate more unique coverages and get caught up with today's NFL and, We've seen that safeties have been kind of ignored at the top of NFL drafts in general and by this team next to Rashad Jones has ignored the safety position for quite some time now, despite the fact that that position can really change the defense. We've seen it with Harrison Smith in Minnesota. Malcolm Jenkins in Philadelphia is another great one. Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor both what they were in Seattle for a long, long time as Cam Chancellor has actually just recently retired, but the Dolphins have invested into this position with the best safety in the draft class, or at least you hope that he is that. They re-upped Bobby McCain's contract to a big contract there. They have huge expectations for Xavier Howard, and even Cordray Tankersley, I think, to a lesser extent this year, but long-term projecting him out to be a long-term starter opposite Howard there. The secondary needs to gel and come together very quickly for this defense to work because I think this is the groundwork of the foundation of the defense as a whole is the secondary and the young pieces they have back there to take the football away, lock up teams in the passing game, and and play from that new age style opposed to an old age style of stopping the run and having a good pass rush. So you want a good pass rush, but the secondary is very important. We've learned that with the Legion of Boom, the no-fly zone in Denver, and now you move on to some other teams that have incorporated the same type of defense there. Topic number two for the -the under-the-radar storylines, the remade offensive line I think that you see the names that are put on to that line, and you just assume everything's going to be okay there, and that especially is true with Josh Sitton, the left guard. Everyone thinks that he's going to be the best left guard the Dolphins have had in quite a while, and they're right for thinking so. And then you have Dan Kilgordon, the continuity that he offers, that his presence on the roster offers over what Mike Pouncey was, just by being able to practice every single day and much less of a risk of injury every single game that he plays out there. Right guard, Jesse Davis, everyone's pretty high on him. I am extremely high on him as I was at the end of the year last year. But the positions that I'm really concerned about are the offensive tackles and not for a lack of talent. Just because Jawan James at right tackle, I've, I've been a big proponent of his for a long time, been playing very good football since he got benched back in 2016 in week three. Ever since that time, he's played very well. But you go to the left side of the line and... Laramie Tunzel he's a bigger name than he is a performer at this point of his career I think that's pretty much unanimously decided across the fan base he had a bad year in 2017 way too many penalties he got beat a couple of times it wasn't as bad I think as some people made it out to be but for the most part he just hasn't really had a great NFL career so far so is he a bigger name than he is a player at this point that's going to be a huge point of contention and then back to Jawan James can he stay healthy for once and the Dolphins are in a position where he might have to get a new contract after the season. And the way offensive linemen are playing are getting paid right now, it's a big decision for them to make, and he's going to have to stay healthy and play really good for 16 games for them to do so. So this offensive line really kind of, or this offense, I suppose, really kind of hinges on what this offensive line does because they've built it around Ryan Tannehill and what he does well. So if they don't play well, if they falter, it falls back onto the quarterback, which, as we said earlier, is really going to be what makes or breaks this team this year and not to mention the prospect of them hopefully becoming a better run-blocking unit, which has been a problem for a long time now, despite the fact that the Dolphins have had some very successful running backs in recent years. And portion number three is the special teams, something I never talk about on the podcast. The Dolphins lose Cody Parkey and Michael Thomas, the one of the best kickers the Dolphins have had in a long, long time. And then, of course, the special teams ace that Michael Thomas is. Michael Thomas was consistently one of PFF, Pro Football Focus's top special teams player, players. Walt Aiken takes over his role, and he got a new contract to do that, and so you hope that that can be the case, as Darren Rizzi has really put together a strong special teams group year in and year out as far as coverages go, covering punts and kicks and returns and all that stuff, but he handpicked this rookie kicker, Jason Sanders, who, let's be honest, he's going to be the kicker. He's going to beat out Greg Joseph and assume that role. He was handpicked, has the big leg. They love him there. They're sticking with Matt Dahr after what I consider to be a disastrous first season. I don't know how many punts he had that barely got 30 to 35 Yards off of his foot, which is just atrocious in the NFL. We talked about Walt Aikens, Sonoris Perry's another one that comes into mind there for special teams performances. Maybe Tory McTire in that group as well. But these position groups, they win and lose games every single year. And the idea that it could be the difference between the playoffs and not the playoffs is a real thing. So special teams. I'm nervous about it, but we'll see what happens. Darren Rizzi has done a great job for a long time, survived a couple of coaching staff, so maybe we should just put our trust in him and hope that it works out there. So... Those are the storylines I'm talking about right now going into the summer. As I said, we're in the middle of July. Things are dead right now. I'm going to be taking tomorrow off, no Wednesday podcast for you guys on July 4th. I'm sure you guys are going to be doing your own thing out in the barbecue and the pool and some fireworks and all that fun stuff. But we have one last segment coming up here, and it's the real storyline that inspired all the content for today's show. We'll talk about that next. Locked on Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at
1: Locked on Fins.
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So the inspiration for the storylines portion of the podcast today came from the Albert Breer podcast, the Monday Morning Quarterback podcast that he has up on iTunes where I hear him all the time. Not a, It's a good show, but it has its ups and downs. But he had a good point today talking about the New England Patriots and how every team that goes through these Super Bowl losses and tends to have one big storyline that hangs over their head really kind of suffers a setback the following year. We saw the Seattle Seahawks coming off of the one yard line pass play that, you know, allegedly pretty much pulled out the fabric from the inside of the Legion of Boom and that dominant Seahawks team. We talked about Cam Newton and the in a the decision to not dive on a football at the end of that Super Bowl and how the Panthers took a big step back the following year. The Falcons blow a big league. Kyle Shanahan goes out the door. They don't really I, I suppose the, the big knock there was that they didn't run the ball enough to close out that game. They had a bit of a hangover in 2017, even though they got back into the postseason and had a good showing there. The, their offense wasn't the same that year, and so you can kind of see that hangover. And the Patriots, with Malcolm Butler and the whole Super Bowl sit-out thing, he is now gone. And the storylines just circulating around Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski all offseason. The thing that Albert Pierce had that really stuck that struck a note with me was that all the distractions the Patriots have had every year because now the narrative is oh we hear this every year the Patriots are going to have a downfall and then what happens 12-4 and a run to the AFC title game a run to the Super Bowl and they're right back where they are every single year but Albert Breer's point was that the drama has never been about the quarterback or the coach Belichick and Brady have always been the stabilizing forces in that organization to keep things running smoothly now I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys the Patriots are going to suddenly lose half of their games and go 8-8, eight and eight, and the AFC East opens itself up for business again for the first time in about two decades. But I don't think that we are... In for the torturous future that you have been in for so long. And that might be a given the fact that Tom Brady is 41 years old when this season kicks off. But I think that a lot of people were worried about him playing another four to five years beyond this season. And that just means more torment for us. But I don't see that being the case. I think it eventually winds down. I think this year they might have a bit of a hangover to start the season, which is good news for the Dolphins playing them in week four, also without Julian Edelman. But I just think that every year a Super Bowl loser has things they have to overcome. It's not easy to do especially early in the season early in the grind in September when you're thinking you know this is a team that's going to be there at the end these games are here for us and we're professional football players we're going to do our jobs but is the motivation is the interior or the the just the inner desire to go out and dominate is it really there early on in the year I don't know I guess we'll find out that's Bill Belichick's job And he has had a stranglehold on this division for way too long now. And I'm sure it's the same idea going into 2018. But the hope is that things start to go back in the other direction for that team and for the Patriots. But as for this podcast... That will do it for us heading into the break, the 4th of July break. You guys, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review once you are there. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Lincoln NFL. The show is at Lockdown Fins. And follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network. You guys have a terrific holiday. Be safe out there. We'll see you again on Thursday for another edition of Locked On Dolphins Podcast your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.